So are you guys all in one room together? I just want to, are you? We are. I'm on a speakerphone with you, or is that how it works? Or no, we've got it. We've got a bunch of microphones, and we're kind of hooked into a mixing board, and we've got okay. a snake's nest of wires that go from that to a computer. So, oh wow, okay, cool. Ryan set it up, so it'll either work or set the room or on not. fire. <laughs> Welcome to AT Banter, the podcast where we discuss anything and everything regarding the world of assistive technology. With our hosts, Steve Barkley, Rob Minot, and Ryan Fleury. Now, let's banter. All right. Way, welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. I am Robino, and joining me today is Ryan Flurry and Steve Parkley. I welcome our orange overlord. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who you could possibly mean. Why did they say orange? It was red. He's orange. Who's orange? Donald Trump. Donald Trump. He's, he, he's like literally. He's got a spray tan. Oh, does he? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For us who are blind out there, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. I welcome our evil walrus yes. overlord. President Tangerine Dream. <laughs> if he's listening to this, you guys are screwed. <laughs> My name is Ryan Fleury. <laughs> I'll expect a drone strike at any time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, just think of all the toys at his disposal now. Oh, yeah. Well, he's just got one button to push, right? It's, very it's all over. So much easier. Yeah. Before he had to pick up the red me. phone and make a call, and it's done. And he is good at pressing buttons. <laughs> <laughs> we know that for a fact. My ex-military buddy is convinced that uh, there's going to be an invasion of North Korea. Really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. That would be just ludicrous. Yeah. To even well, attempt. I, yeah. Because they're not shy about no. <laughs> letting go of their nukes. Nope. nope. <laughs> well. No, I'm pretty sure they've got it connected to a clapper. <laughs> <laughs> Clap on. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Is there still uh, such a thing as the missile defense shield? Um. Well, there was never a missile defense shield, per se. Well, not a shield, but... There, there's... There are anti-missile systems in place here and Located there. around the world, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know there's not an invisible shield. How, how yeah. effective they are is <laughs> up for debate, I guess. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll find out. They were probably bought from North Korea. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, they haven't, they haven't got that advanced yet. They haven't, they haven't made it to the intercontinental ballistic missile yet. That we know of. Yet. No, no, they haven't. No? They... they, they Show off every missile mm -hmm. test that they, they ever true. do. The best they can manage is uh, to hit Japan. I think mm. they might they might be able to hit Alaska or something, but I yeah. don't think they can hit the main continental United States at this point. Mm. All right. Anyways, yeah. What are back we, on track? What are we doing today, Ryan? Today we are talking with Laurie Johnson, who is a music therapist. Yeah, this will be interesting. I've actually been looking forward to talking to somebody. Um, in the music therapy field since we did that uh, dementia episode because it's a fascinating field. It is. You know, more and more studies we see online 
coming across Facebook, Twitter, and other sources talk about the benefits music has on our health, and it is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Well, then, uh, why don't we uh, bring Lori on and uh, see what she has to say? I think that's a fantastic idea. Let's do it. Do it. <laughs> okay, great. Well, we are very pleased to have with us today Lori Johnson, who is an accredited music therapist working here in Vancouver and working primarily with seniors. Is that right, Lori? That's right. I've I've worked with lots of populations over the years, but I've really found my focus um, and my passion has been working with seniors with dementia. So um, I'm really excited to talk to you guys about all my work with seniors and people with dementia today. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, we, um, we actually did a dementia episode a few, a few months ago and it was, uh, it was pretty interesting. And that's kind of why we pushed for, we wanted to actually really talk, talk to somebody who actually had experience working um, with seniors with dementia and especially in the music aspect of it. Cause that, that aspect of it is really interesting. The, the impact that music can have on dementia. Oh, very much so. It's uh, There's actually been a lot of research done in the last few years um, where there's a lot of research on the brain and how the brain processes music. And especially with dementia, um, you just get, it, I almost think of music and music therapy as a wonder drug with with people because so many times when there's other therapies like um and people are feeling really stressed out and agitated. As soon as the music therapist comes into the room and just starts doing music, um, it's just like you see a whole new part to that person and you can just reach them on a way deeper level than a lot of other people can. So I think um, it's just really neat that music therapy with dementia is really starting to get a lot more recognition globally. Yeah, we um, we referenced in that episode, we referenced a documentary that had been made a few years back called Alive Inside. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was really interesting because they, they had they had footage from from the movie where, you know, you put a put a pair of headphones on somebody and, you know, it's like they come out of their shell. Yeah, completely. And yeah, they actually like become watching, more lucid. Yeah, it's like watching an awakening happen. It, it really is. And um, I think one of the things about that movie um, is, is it just is touching the tip of the iceberg because that movie isn't even what most music therapists would consider to be music therapy. That's more music listening. And so you, you see in that documentary just how people get so um, stimulated and they come out of their shells just by listening to the music. Now, if you're a music therapist, you would be actually sitting in front of them and playing music that you know um, connects with them. And you can, I can reach people on a, a far deeper level than that, uh, just with all the different music therapy interventions. Um, I think that documentary, it's, it's very fascinating, but it's really important to, when you look at that documentary, to, to learn and understand the difference between that and what music therapy is. And I hope um, in this discussion today, I'll be able to explain those differences a little bit more for you guys. That's a good lead in. (laughs) That is, that's actually a very good lead in. And I I think it's a, it's a differentiation that most people probably aren't aware of. And I mean, I, I can speak for myself. I mean, I have a little bit of music therapy 
experience because I went and listened to Ryan and Steve's band. And after that, I needed therapy. So. Wow. Ouch. <laughs> Sorry, I've been waiting to make that joke all day. <laughs> but, uh, well, well, I'm sure as Ryan and Steve, as you know, when you guys are engaging and making and creating mu- music together, how that makes you feel and how when you're connecting with somebody else on a musical level, it just, it stimulates all parts of you. And it's, it's amazing, isn't it? To do that. And that's all part in singing and playing instruments and everything. And, um, so I was just actually going to read for you what the actual definition, according to the Canadian association of music therapy is of music therapy. And then I'm just, I'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, if you go to our, um, national associations website, it says music therapy is defined by the Canadian association for music therapy as the skillful use of music and musical elements by an accredited music therapist to promote, maintain and restore mental, physical, and emotional, spiritual health. Um, music is nonverbal creative, structural, and emotional qualities. And these are used in the therapeutic relationship to facilitate contact, interaction, self-awareness, learning, self-expression, communication, and personal development. So that's the actual definition that um, a lot of music therapists have agreed on, kind of what it is. But um, I think the big difference between music entertainment and even, like I said, just listening to music is that a music therapist develops a personal relationship with the client and then uses that relationship to facilitate and work on different goals and objectives within that therapeutic relationship. Why don't we take a step back and just tell us a little bit about what prompted you to to even um, enter the music therapy field. Did you always have an interest in it? Um, I think, um, I was always one of those girls who was very, very interested in music. Um, I grew up always singing. I think I was one of the, I, you know, I have two sisters and little orphan Annie was our favorite movie and I just never stopped singing. And I was in lots of little church choirs and plays growing up and, and volunteered a lot with my mom and my grandma. And I just, um, I always knew I wanted to do something with music and with helping people. And um, one day my mom actually had met a music therapist and she said, you know, Lori, I think you might be interested in this kind of a field because like a lot of people had never even heard of it. And I went and shadowed her at work and I just couldn't believe that this is how people actually made a living and that this career was out there. And uh, it just felt like the absolute right path for me, for me to go down. And so I was really lucky. I found it when I was really young and went down the path and have not looked back since. It's been the most amazing, rewarding career I could have ever hoped for. What was the schooling like for it? Did you have to did like did you have to get a music degree before, or is it was it just a separate diploma program? Um, No, actually, I'm glad you asked that. The music, in order to become a music therapist, you have to get a a bachelor degree in music therapy. So uh, we actually offer a program here at Capilano University, which is the one I went to, 
Um, and your first two years are a whole bunch of prerequisites, you know, your psychologies, your music histories, your music theory, you need a, a pretty wide background and you need to have, uh, be very proficient in at least one major instrument. And then you apply to the third year of the music therapy program, which, um, there it's the third and fourth year, which is the actual program at cap. And that's where you learn all about your music therapy skills and your improvising and um, group dynamics and all that kind of stuff. And then from there, a music therapist actually has to do a 1000 hour internship uh, before we can even work and call ourselves music therapists. So there's quite, uh, quite a lot behind becoming a music therapist. There's five different programs actually in Canada that offer the music therapy program or music therapy. And there's programs all over the world internationally that offer um, music therapy. And what was your proficient instrument? Um, I was, uh, I always played piano as a kid, but singing was my actual uh, major instrument. So it was voice was my major. I played piano and then I learned guitar in the program. So now I, I would consider myself pretty proficient in all three of those. We, uh, we need a keyboardist for our band. Um, <laughs> any, any interest in being part of the worst band in the universe? Oh, man. If I had any extra time in my life, I would consider it for sure. <laughs> well, one of the things about music therapy, which I just speaking about that, is, um, and working with dementia, is I, it's not about being perfect. And I, um, I, I appreciate that because I, I have very high standards of myself, but I'm not a perfectionist. And so I don't expect that of myself and of people I'm working with. And I think that's one of the great things about being a music therapist versus being a performer, that it's not about perfection. So there you go. It's not about perfection. It's about enjoying yourself. Yeah, Steve. <laughs> so there so there <laughs> he's just trying to get out of rehearsal <laughs> but you know there's always a music therapy program if you want to go into it <laughs> um, there also is master's programs uh, master's levels and doctorate levels of music therapy as well and um, there are some people that have a bachelor degree in some other um, counseling psychology or psychology or music and then go uh, and just get their master's degree in, in music therapy. But I think most therapists recommend actually doing the bachelor degree because you get a lot more hands-on clinical experience when you do it that way. So you, you talked about um, uh, having, a, a, I believe you referred to it as an intervention. And, and can you, can you tell us about, you know, when you're working with a client, what that, uh, you know, how, how you go about it? Sure. Um, well, I, I've worked over the years, mostly in long-term care and there I'm dealing with people who have literally made no dementia at all to the very, very late stages of dementia and dementia. I just want to clarify, it's kind of an, an umbrella term, um, for all different kinds of mental cognitive impairments. So people with dementia could have Alzheimer's disease or Lewy body dementia or Parkinson's or Huntington's disease. And all of those different diseases can 
cause dementia. And you can get pe- all those different kinds of people on one unit. And so you're dealing with all different kinds of people. But the, the magic about music therapy is that I can really connect with everybody. So um, what I will typically do is I'll, I'll gather a group of people together. Sometimes it could be two or three people. Sometimes it could be 20 people. And um, if I was to do a group activity, um, when I really try and I'll get people sitting in a circle and start off with a, a hello song or just a way to kind of welcome the group to make everybody know that this is the starting time of the group. And um, as I'm sitting everybody together, I'll kind of really pay attention to any nonverbal cues that people are giving me. If somebody is seeming quite agitated, you know, I'll make sure that I'm not going to be too stimulating or I, if people are going to feed off each other, I make sure to sit those different people away from each other. And, um, and then I just kind of launch into it. I use a lot of my, my style of music therapy is that I, I'm really in the moment. Um, I kind of let the residents kind of lead me where I want to take where they want to go. So if I do a hello song, um, I know, for example, lately we've been talking about Remembrance Day. And if I'm working with somebody who I know is a veteran, I'll go over there and talk to them and, and see if there's any songs that might have be really relevant to them or something that they would like to hear. And then quite often I'll just have my guitar and start singing. Nine times out of ten, I will get some sort of a response from somebody um, singing with me or filling in the words or even just eye contact is sometimes as much as you can ask for when you're working with people with dementia. Because like I said, I'm working with people who have all levels of dementia. But I really... I feel like my goal when I'm working with a bigger group of people is really just to kind of make everybody feel normal, that this is just a normal thing that you're doing. You're just sitting down together and enjoying music and sharing and whatever comes up for people, I just go with it. Uh, I have lots of different activities that I do within a group. I often have, you know, musical instruments of all kinds, like shakers and drums and sometimes scarves and just as a way to sit with somebody and connect them even on a, on a physical level, get people to play rhythm instruments with me. And, um, the list goes on and on of things I can do with people. So it sounds like it's a very interactive procedure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely my style of music therapy. I try to be as interactive as I can and just make everybody feel like they are having their moment of connection with me. And so I really make an effort to interact with every person in the in the circle so that they feel that they're being heard and listened to. And is it mainly group? Do you, um, do you mainly do it in groups or? I think it really depends on on where you work and kind of what the expectations are from, from music therapists. Um, I know some facilities, you know, the music therapists don't have a big chunk of time. And so they're expected to do a lot more groups because they can reach more people that way. But um, I've been really blessed where I work. I can really do what I want. I can do group work or one-on-one work. And uh, so if a person isn't in my group session, I can go see them afterwards on a one-on-one level. Or if, or if somebody's sitting in, in their bed and they're sick, I can go and be with them. So it really depends on what more what you're comfortable with. I'm 
I think there's a lot of merits to both. Definitely. Where, where, where do you work? Um, I work in two facilities right now. They're both, um, one is part of Providence Healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Uville Residence and it's just, a. it's got 44 beds. So it's not a huge place at all. And the other place I've been working for a lot of years too, is called the Windermere. And that's, um, it's just another long-term care facility. Uh, there's, I think, 250 residents there. Windermere. So where, where's the Windermere? Windermere? Uh, that's on 12th and Oak. Oh, okay. That's where my grandmother was. Oh, yeah. we'll have to talk later. I yeah. bet you I knew her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might have known her. There's a lot of people there. Yeah. But, yeah. So um, I just try and reach as many people as I can, really, in the time that I have. And stepping um, back to, sorry, st- stepping back a, a few steps, mm-hmm. um, back to music therapy in general, how many different pathways is there through the music therapy? I mean, I know you can end up working with seniors or like how many other different channels can you go through? Yeah. Where, what, where, where does music therapy typically get applied? What populations? Um, it's a great question about where a music therapist can work because music therapy can stretch into all different avenues and fields. Um, currently about 65% of the music therapists in Canada are working with um, seniors, but um, I'll just give you an example of some other places that people work. Um, I know a lot of music therapists are working with children with special needs and particularly with autism. Uh, it's quite amazing to see what can be done within a music therapy session with children with autism. Uh, there's a lot of work with music therapists and head injury and brain injury and strokes and using music to help rebuild the neural pathways in people who've had injuries. Um, there's um, actually a, a whole movement too of people, of music therapists working on uh, NICUs um, for babies who are just are premature. Um, Sorry, there's what, a lot of, what are, it's quite what are a, amazing. What was that? What, what are NICUs? Oh, sorry, a NICU. Don't you know? I don't uh, know. A NICU is a is a it's for the, premature the children, yeah, baby, yeah. Oh. Um, for so babies who were born like earlier than they're supposed to, or they've got issues um, postnatally, and so there's a lot of music therapists who are working just creating gentle environments for for the babies to feel and hear music and and to just to make the environment less stressful for the babies. Um, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of neat. There's a lot of research being done around that right now. Um, music therapists also work with, um, hearing impaired mental health, people who are mentally challenged, um, pain, palliative care, personal growth, um, stress management, substance abuse. There's just, it's literally, endless where music therapists can choose to work do they, do they generally stick within a certain population like once they've started sort of working with say children with autism do they generally stick with that population or is there movement around um i think it really depends um i think some people just kind of find their their niche and stick with it i i've like i've always enjoyed working with seniors and have just seen so many wonderful things that that's where my heart has been um and when i started working i did work with children who had autism but i just found that 
my steady work was with seniors. But I think typically people find what works for them and kind of stick with it. So it's not, there, there, there aren't a specific set of skills that say a music therapist needs to have if they're working, say, with children as opposed to seniors. You're, you're able to be pretty fluid. I think so. I think, um, I mean, there's a specific skill sets that it, they, we, we call it almost our, our bag of tricks, right? There's a lot of different things that you can do across populations. Um, I know when I work with children, there's a lot of similar things that I do uh, working with children than, that I use when I'm working with seniors as well. Um, because it's still, it's really about making connections and creativity and finding ways to be expressive with music. So I think a lot of it can go back and forth. What kind of specific challenges do you find working with seniors? I I think lately what I've been finding is that 20 years ago when I first started, people would come in and they were a lot higher on a cognitive level. But the way the system has happened is that people, when they're coming into facilities, it, they are a lot further along in their cognitive decline. And, and so you're dealing with people who are a lot less verbal, um, right. who you have to just put that much more effort into getting a response from. And so I'm still seeing a lot of wonderful things and connecting with people, but it's just a lot more difficult sometimes to, um, to reach people. I, I, I have to put that much more effort forward and I'm not getting as much verbal stuff back from people. Do you find that it's a, it's sort of a, a long process? Like say when you, when you first meet somebody and you start working with them, does it, does it take generally, well, not generally, but does it sometimes take a long time to really reach them or is it every, every day is kind of like a new reset? Um, you know what? I, it's interesting you ask that because I would say that it doesn't take very much at all to reach people that once I kind of find my way in, um, then I really can reach people and it's just almost instant. And then each day when I do see them, even if they don't know who I am, I can kind of pick up from where I already know that connection was with them. And so it's it's quite amazing because as soon as you sit down with that guitar and just start playing the music, people just want to pers- participate and want to get involved with you. So it's it's almost magic. Like I said, it's pretty amazing. The question I have is how do you go about choosing the type of music you're going to play? What I, I try to do is if I if I'm able to talk to a family member or get to know that person, I like to find out what music was actually relevant to them um, in, throughout their lifetime. So a lot of people, if I'm working with people who are in their 80s and 90s, the music that was really important to them was music that would have been from you know their teen years and those years that they were really developing their brains. So I play a lot of music from the 40s, 30s, um, even the 50s for people of those age. And that seems to be the music that typically resonates with people um, of that age group. So I kind of try and find music that would be relevant for each person. Um, actually, just yesterday, I had this lady. She's 100. 
And I just met her. I didn't know anything about her. And she was just really excited to be part of my group. And her first request for me was Bobby McGee. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's kind of cool. And I said, you know, I, I know that song. So I played Bobby McGee. And then the next thing she wanted was a, a Vera Lynn song, which and Vera Lynn was a, a very famous singer from the 40s during the wartime. So she was able to kind of ask me the songs that she wanted to hear. And I was able to connect with her that way. So I just kind of once I find out what it works for a person, then I kind of go from there. How many songs do you have in your stable to pull from? If somebody requests a song, do you look it up on YouTube and look at the chord charts? Like, how do you... Like, how do I go unprepared? Um, I... Well, I can blame my mother for this. <laughs> my mom, I, I grew up when my mom just used to sing so many random songs. And surprisingly, um, I, I just know... I know probably, I don't know, thousands of songs, literally. And, and I feel like because I've worked for a lot of years, I've just been able to pick up a lot of different songs. Um, and I, a lot of the music I do play by ear. So I don't, I'm able to kind of, if someone says, Oh, how about don't fence me in? Um, I know that song, it's in my repertoire and I can play it by ear and, and, do the best I can. Like sometimes I'll play a wrong chord, but that's, that's mm-hmm. okay. Um, I just, I, I just have a lot of songs and I always encourage other music therapists to just learn, never stop learning, right. um, tunes. Cause you never know when somebody is going to want to hear Bobby McKee and then Vera Lynn. So I Nick- think it makes it nicer. Um, if you have a huge repertoire to call on and then if somebody happens to sing, two lines from a song i can i can recognize that and and use that song so no request yeah. for taylor swift not lately no <laughs> no See, it's gonna be it's gonna not be lately. music therapy is gonna be an interesting job when all those millennials 80s, what are those 80s kids oh i know i know become it's, seniors it's can you imagine how someone sitting around in the seniors home music therapist comes in you know metallica <laughs> oh i know i know <laughs> it's gonna be hard to, it's gonna be hard have, to play celtic death metal on on the guitar oh i know <laughs> Oh, and I find that kind of music just agitates me. Yeah, yeah, I, I've spent so much of my my adult years listening to uh, like beautiful music from like the 40s and the 50s. That that's the music that I connect with now because it's just so beautiful. Um, so I just quickly wanted to um, play for you just an example of a, a little one-on-one session, and just so it kind of makes it a little bit clearer about what I'm doing as a music therapist. Um, This lady that I'm going to play a recording of, um, she was quite, uh, quite far along in her dementia. She used to, she speaks Italian and uh, with her Alzheimer's disease had reverted back to, she spoke English, but reverted back to only speaking Italian and was very, very anxious. And so in when the, a, a very common time for residents to get um, anxious is kind of early afternoon, early evening, um, where they show symptoms, what we call sundowning and people want to go home. It's kind of the end of the day. They, they get really confused and agitated. And so this woman would spend hours walking down the hall, just really upset, very confused and very anxious. And one of the things that always worked for her was music. And so I would literally go up to this woman and 
and to see if I could, I'd walk next to her in the hallway with my guitar and just see if I could make a connection with her. So I want to just play a little recording for you of just a, a few minutes of one of our one-on-one -on -one sessions. And so keep in mind that this woman pretty much can barely um, put together a sentence and just see how the music, she instantly is able to connect with me okay. musically. All right. Okay. So here we go. So just quickly, um, so there's a little bit more I can play for you after, but literally I just started singing with her and the next thing you know, she was singing with me and she knew all the words and it was just beautiful. And she had a moment of connection and I was able to calm down her anxiety just like that. Well, I guess we really don't understand the connection of music and the brain and just how all that works, like how, how you can be, you know, suffering from dementia yet stuff like that will just stick and you'll just respond to it instantly well they're starting to um really find out why it is that music does does um, elicit that kind of response in people and one of the things is that the music part of the brain is pre-verbal um so people learn to respond to music as a child even before they are able to respond to voice and talking and language. And whereas language is only processed in one part of the brain, rhythm and pitch and melody are all processed in different parts of the brain. Hmm. So if one part of the brain is, is suffering impairment, uh, it doesn't necessarily matter because the music part is all over the brain. And so you can still reach people through different avenues in their brain, um, even if it's not through language. Wow. Yeah, it's quite, it's fascinating. It's very fascinating. Like this woman, her her language is, is almost gone, but she can still sing. Um, One of the things I do when I'm singing with a, a person like her is I will often actually take out the words to the song 
And just if you you heard, I was just going la 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 la, and even that takes it down to another whole level where you're just playing with the pitch and the melody of the song, and she re- remembers the song without having to use the words. Right. And it's just a, it makes a deeper connection um, in the music. Do you want to hear one more little snippet with her? Or sure, sure. Okay. Um, so this is just right after this. We just go into another song that uh she's now she's starting to remember oh i'm safe with this uh, with this girl and i can play music with her and she just starts to sing some other stuff so i'll just play another little part here sure bravo that was lovely yeah thank you so that's just more more of her <laughs> but uh cool. she was just so lovely and then you know after spending time in music together i would just walk her into the dining room and her she was just calm and grounded and ready for dinner and and the care staff always were just so happy when she'd had an afternoon where she was able to engage in music like that that's amazing and so is the music therapy field growing it's been around for a lot of years but i think now with uh, just the way social media has really gone on board, um, people are a lot more aware of music therapy. So it is starting to grow. More money is being put into um, creating jobs. And there's this wonderful foundation called Music Heals. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. Yep. Uh, and, um, and it's just really about getting the word out there. And the more people that are knowing about it, more people are putting money into it. So I would definitely say the field is, is growing which is great for us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think we found yeah. too that there's, there is a lot more, you know, sort of assistive technology, music related assistive technology starting to show up these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, certainly more than 10 years ago. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's been, it's been pretty amazing, especially now with, um, you know, MP3s and having music accessible to you just without having to have CDs and tapes and all that kind of stuff. And now with iPads and all the apps, there's just so many things you can do um, to reach people with music uh, in a way that we couldn't 10 years ago. It's pretty, pretty cool. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. We've got a very cool little um, music player now called the simple music player. I don't know if you've She's ordered two of them. Oh, have you? Oh, I have. I'm just, I'm just waiting for the, yeah, waiting for the final approval, but I have ordered two of them, but tell us about them because they're really cool. I think they're fantastic. 
Well, I think they're just really elegant in their in their simplicity. You you, you load on a bunch of music, or you, you can put audiobooks on them as well. And there's just one control. It's a, it says on the front of it, "Lift to play music," and you do that, and it plays music, and you put it down, and it stops playing music. Uh, I love it. The, the love volume it. volume controls on it are, are recessed in the bottom, so nobody's going to fiddle with the with the music controls. You know, I know when my dad was in uh, was in care. Um, he, he had dementia and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we, we tried, you know, uh, radio, we would always come back and the, it would be, you know, tuned between stations or, you know, just blowing, <laughs> oh, blowing know, static or, or it would have annoyed the care staff so much that, uh, they would have put it away on them. Um, we tried, uh, cassettes and CDs and he never really used those at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been really nice to have had access to, to that for him. Um, cause you know, it, it he, he probably would have used it. He, he probably would have spent most of his time flipping the thing up and flipping it back down again. But. Oh, but, you know, I think it's such a, a wonderful tool. And I think even just having something like that on a special care unit, mm-hmm. you know, it just makes music accessible for people. And like you said, instead of having to put CDs on or getting the care staff, who have got so many other things to deal with um, to be and. And I find with the radio, you get the background noise of the radio banter that it just ends up becoming agitating. Yeah. But this uh, simple music player, I think, I think it just sounds absolutely amazing because um, it solves all the all the problems for <laughs> for not having music accessible for people just to listen to. Um, there's just so much information out there these days about music therapy that um, I encourage anybody who's interested in it to have a look at the. Music Therapy Association of British Columbia's website. It's mtabc.com. Um, Music Heals is a wonderful uh, organization that is doing a lot of promotion for music therapy, so check them out. And if you're interested actually in pursuing music therapy as a career, I can't say enough about how rewarding of a career. It's been just amazing. I've never had a day, literally, where I have not wanted to go to work because every day I feel like I've made a difference in people's lives. It's pretty amazing. So um, check out the Capilano University Bachelor of Music Therapy program if you're interested. And um, I'll send you guys a link so you can put them up for people to check out. And yeah, I I really appreciate that you really wanted to learn a little bit more about music therapy today. And I hope I was able to clarify some things for you. Wonderful. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thanks was... so much for, for coming on, Laurie. My pleasure. My pleasure. Anytime. Okay, so. Now, here's the outro. Here's, okay. the, here's the tricky part. AKA, how many times we'll wrap this up? I bet. No pressure. Are we pooling? Should we double or nothing on the election pool? There we go. Now i got to come out with 40 bucks? I'll have to ask my wife to raise my allowance. That's true. <laughs> well, now that it came out that you do laundry, that's right. I didn't know that. Yeah. No, Ryan has chores. Mm-hmm. Really? I yeah. do. Wow. Yeah. It's called being a husband. Uh-huh. Go figure. Yep. Are you saying it's a chore being married? No. Uh, yeah. Oh, did you hear how fast that came out? <laughs> yeah, he's well trained. Eh? <laughs> no, not what I meant. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> Love my wife. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a learned response. <laughs> yes, dear. <laughs> uh, all right. Jewelry, uh, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> New car, no problem. <laughs> Steve, can I have a raise? Yes, absolutely. We can buy Benji a uh, hair dryer. That's right. <laughs> yeah. 
Ah, uh, well, that was interesting. That was that was nice talking to her. Yeah, I think it gives some insights into a field that we really don't know much about. Yeah, and that became painfully obvious in that dementia episode that uh, we mm-hmm. knew enough to be dangerous, but not really. Yeah, yeah it's great to have been able to drill down and get more detail on how that how that's all done. And yeah, I didn't even think that they actually used real instruments. I really thought that it was it was a lot of just canned music and and just using it in different settings. But well, maybe for some of them they do. You know, it's a good question we might ask her, but. Uh, um, it's interesting that their program requires that they be proficient, be proficient in at least one in, instrument. In an instrument, yeah. Yeah, so we were actually talking off mic a little bit about that, and it's interesting. Like, they must have a limit to that. Yeah, because, like, you're not going to have somebody request, I don't know, a Nickelback song, and your main instrument is the clarinet yeah, or the oboe. That's probably know. true. Yeah, so I'm sure that guitar, piano, and probably voices are, are probably... Well, I imagine they're more prevalent than mm-hmm. than and others, but you're going to get people who are going to come in. Ukuleles, mandolins, been playing flute since they were, yep. since they were, you know, a fetus, and and they're not going to want to learn a new instrument mm-hmm. when they've already mastered one. I suppose, or maybe they are. Maybe they maybe will. maybe they would want to. You know. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to say. You think about it. You know, Brian can play bass. He can play guitar. Yep. No, there's a lot of those instruments. Yeah, a lot of the instruments. You know, a little bit of ukulele. They're similar. There you go. They're on the same family. Mm-hmm. You can play a trumpet. You can play a you know a flugelhorn, or you can play a baritone, or so. Where what were we talking about? Flugelhorn. Oh yeah, the flugelhorn. Yeah. Chuck Mangione. Yeah, yeah, playing uh, playing Metallica on a flugelhorn. Oh, that'd be fantastic! I bet you there's a YouTube video. <laughs> I want to see. That. I bet you there's a video. Is Chuck Mangione still alive? I don't even know who he is. Don't you don't know no. who Chuck Mangione is? No. He's the only person that charted with a with a song with a flugelhorn. Really? Nope, yeah. never heard of. You've him. heard. Oh, is that the guy? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, hang on, hang on. Yeah. Hang, I'm gonna Google this. Flugelhorn heavy metal. <laughs> kind of heavy metal. It is brass. It couldn't be any worse than that heavy metal band with the dogs. What are they called? Canine, caninus. All right, caninus. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. We found a niche. There needs to be flugelhorn heavy metal. We've found. We've officially found something that YouTube has is not on YouTube yet. So, brush up. Steve, get a flugelhorn. I need a flugelhorn. Where can people find us, Ryan? Me again. I always ask you, what do you mean, you again? <laughs> You're asking me again? Oh, ask me, ask me, ask me. Okay, Steve. fine. Oh, Steve. Oh, Steve. Steve, where can people find us? I have no idea. Ask Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, where can people find us? People can find us at www.atbanter.com. They can also email us. Uh, see, I screwed, screwed up Screwed it up email, already. Look at that. I didn't screw up the email address. I, Which I is? I screwed up the word email. Difference. Let me try that again. Okay. People can also email us at w. No, you blew it again. Woo! All right. Take three. Take three. Okay. And people can email us at podcast at gmail. No. <laughs> Take now, four. So derailed, so once you derail, then that's it. Okay, like, I got it's it. It's like the Carol Bonnet show. I got this, Rob. I got this for you. All right. Okay. <laughs> this is my love for you. You can find us by email at atbanterpodcast at gmail.com. Well done. Nicely done. 
And you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Google Plus, and YouTube. And now Instagram. No, just kidding. Can't get us on Instagram. Or Pinterest. Not yet. All right, that is going to do it for us. We will see everybody next week. I have been Rob Minot. And I've been Ryan Flurry. And I remain Steve Barkley. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by Aroga Technologies. Visit Aroga Technologies online at www.aroga.com. That's A-R-O-G-A.com. Music provided by bensound.com.